Did anybody in the room go to the Valley Christian School Soup Supper last night? Raise your hand if you were there. Man, if you weren't there, you missed an incredible, incredible time. It was a hoot and a holler, if I could use those terms this morning. Um, I, I bid on things I didn't get. I bid on things I didn't want. I got things that I didn't want, but bid on. Um, but you know what? It was all for a purpose. There was one mission for that event last night, and it was to raise money for Valley Christian School because Valley Christian School needs funds to, you know, they don't get any public funding or anything like that. It's a private school, and, you know, tuition is expensive, and kids couldn't afford to go there if they charged what they needed to pay everybody, so they needed to make money. So that was, that was their mission for last night. And what you need to know, um, you probably, if you were there, figured this out, or it might have crossed your mind at one time, it took a ton of people to pull that off last night. I mean, hours and hours and hours, and actually months of preparation and time. And, and if those people don't commit and be a part of that, um, those that weren't involved in putting it on, those that just kind of showed up, um, it wouldn't have looked anything like it did last night. Um, there would have been people standing around staring, going, uh, what do we do and where do we go and how does this work and how does that work? Um, it took a lot of time to put that on and, and they did a fabulous job. I mean, I don't know how many people were there. I hear the parking lot, yet, you know, we needed to run shuttles from the back of the parking lot. Um, and I don't know how much money they made. I pray that it was what they needed and I'm sure that it, it will be. Um, it had to be. A, it has to be a lot. Um, and, and I want to um, actually on behalf of Valley Christian School, thank everybody that went last night and, and generously supported, supported the school. Um, but, and, and, you know, for those people that are in that school, it, it's an adventure every day um, in life. And, uh, but they have the one mission of teaching children in, in a Christian environment the things that our public schools do in a non-Christian environment. And, uh, and, and it is a huge, huge undertaking. Now, um, the bottom line for Valley Christian School was this. There was a problem. They needed money. They need to raise money. And so the way, one of the ways in which they attacked that problem was to have this event. And, and this morning, we're going to be looking at a problem that we are facing as a church. And we're going to look at a problem that a man by the name of Nehemiah had when he came back to Jerusalem uh, and, the, and the people of Israel were facing. So if you would turn to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 3, and, and I just want to encourage you as, as we go through this message to just kind of browse through Nehemiah chapter 3 because I'm not going to read a lot out of Nehemiah chapter 3. As you turn there, I do want to tell you this. The walls of Jerusalem have been in ruins for nearly a hundred years. Um, Jerusalem was destroyed the people were carried off and held captive in various territories for almost a hundred years. And then somewhere around, I, I believe it was 584 B.C., um, some people were allowed to come back to Jerusalem. And, and for two decades, people, Israelites, Jews, lived in Jerusalem and the walls around the city were still in a shambles. They had been destroyed a hundred years before, and they're a wreck. They're a mess. And, and like some of those things in our households or in places where we work, you get familiar with things like that, and you sort of just get used to it. And they got used to it, this destructed, uh, destroyed wall. And, and to a lot of their people out 
and surrounding areas, it was kind of a disgrace. You know, they sort of looked down on, on the city of Jerusalem because of this wall. They, they didn't seem to care about it. They didn't seem to, to want to repair it. And there was a man by the name of Nehemiah who, who heard reports of this broken down wall and began to, his heart began to passionately beat for the repair of this wall. Uh, in fact, he, uh, he went through the process. He appeared before the king uh, that, that he was serving. And the king actually gave his blessing and, and sent him with materials and money. And, and, and he sent him with uh, you know, a, a visa of that day that said he could pass through all of the territories safely and that they couldn't touch him. So he returns to Jerusalem. And then the night that he gets there, he gets on his donkey and he goes around and he rides around the wall and he sees the problem. He sees what is facing him in this call to the mission that he has to repair this wall. And he begins to, to make some assessments. And, and I'm sure the people felt this. Uh, I'm sure that, that Nehemiah might have felt a hinge of this. The, the fact that this seems to be an insurmountable problem here. Now, I'm sure there's times in, in the life of the administration of Valley Christian School that, that they think to themselves, we have an insurmountable problem here. Nehemiah was feeling that. This wall is two miles around. It is between, it's eight feet thick in certain places, and it's 16 feet tall. And the rubble, the piles of the broken down sections of wall where the enemy came rushing into the city when they destroyed Jerusalem. Um, what a wreck. I mean, they don't have payloaders and dirt movers. They just have their hands and, and basic tools. Um, there aren't a huge amount of people in Jerusalem at this time yet. So, so they, they're kind of limited in workforce. But Nehemiah knew that there was a problem, that he had the anointing of God to be there and to fix this problem. And so he makes the plan and off he goes. You heard me mention that we have a problem. We have a problem as a church. We, we have something that we need to attack. We have a mission. Um, it's right here in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus says that we are to... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Goshen County, the state of Wyoming, the United States of America, and every continent beyond. That's our mission, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, to people who don't know it yet. You know, as we sang that song, I just jotted a lyric down. Oh, no, you never let go. Wouldn't it be something if one more person, because of your witness, sang those words on a Sunday morning? Oh, no, you never let go. And now I know the truth of that. That is our mission. Jesus says it differently in Luke chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Which begs the question, who then is my neighbor? In fact, these guys asked Jesus, well, who really is my neighbor? Is it the guy across the street? And, and as Jesus pressed them on this, we find that your neighbor is anybody. Anybody you come into contact with. That person is your neighbor. Um, it could be Mary, the secretary, who often seems to have a bad day. Or maybe you have a secretary in your office or in your place of work that, uh, with a different name. But let's call her Mary this morning. She seems to be alone and in need of something. 
You can just sense it. You can see it in her eyes. Yet, you know that she's married and that she has four children. But she's still asking questions. She still feels lost in this world. She is your neighbor. Or what about Bob? Let's call him Bob. He's your boss. And maybe he's not the nicest boss in the world. Maybe he doesn't treat you like you feel like you needed to be treated. He's not respectful. He, he has this hard shell around him and he, he swears a lot, isn't, isn't well liked by any of, the, any of his employees. And, and you've asked yourself maybe on occasion or two, what's wrong with my boss? What does he care about? What, what needs does he have? Or, or maybe, maybe you have found yourself instead you know, wondering if maybe he might get hit by a truck tomorrow when he walks across the street. Where, where is your mind? What are you thinking? Bob is your neighbor. You fill in the names. Who do you come into contact with every day? Who do you rub shoulders with? Who do you have conversations with? Who are the people that are in your circle of influence who you know have things going on in their lives and they don't have answers to them? They have lots of questions, and maybe they've even asked you a, f- a few, and, and, and maybe they've caught you off guard and you didn't really know how to answer it. I believe as we, as we go into these next four weeks and as we unfold the process, over a journey of probably a year, we're going to be better prepared and ready to answer those questions ourselves. So you fill in the names. Odds are that those people who fill in your names, if you live in Goshen County, don't know Jesus Christ. Here's the odds on that. Uh, According to the last census, there are only 37% of the people in Goshen County that say they are affiliated with the church. Now, people can say they're affiliated with the church and not be a Christ follower, okay? So, So this percentage could be smaller than that if we were looking at actual Christ followers. But we're just looking at people who said, I'm affiliated with the church, all right? That's 37%. We have 13,423 people that live in Goshen County, which means that 63% of all the people that live in Goshen County do not know Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm making an assumption there. They do not, it's somewhere close to that. They do not know Jesus Christ, okay? 8,500 people in Goshen County say they're not affiliated with the church. Let me put that number in a different perspective. I took the total populations of Torrington, Lingle, Yoder, Hawk Springs, Fort Laramie, LaGrange, and JM, and I added them all up, and they equal less than 8,500 people, which means that if Jesus Christ were to come back tomorrow, everyone in every city in Goshen County would go to hell. Every person. That is a problem. That's a problem. And, and, and as I look at that, that is our problem. We need to see that as our problem because if we don't do something about it, we kind of have to think to ourselves, who will? Who will? 8,500 people is not a good number. If Jesus were to return tomorrow, they would be in hell. Let's say Jesus didn't return tomorrow. Let's just think about tomorrow as a normal every day. You know, I just said... You know, when, when, when we're sitting here as Christ followers, we can say, oh no, you never let go, Jesus. What about those 8,500 people that don't even have that in their vocabulary? They can't say that. They're missing out on the blessing of God as they live their life today, tomorrow. 
We have this great news, this great mission that God has given us. And the question for us this morning is, what are we going to do about it? It's your move. It's our move. Now, God wants us to make disciples. He wants us to go unto all the world with the good news of salvation. Um, but not only does the task seem insurmountable, you see, we, we kind of have a problem ourselves. There, according to the survey that we just took, 20% of us in this room, one out of every five people in this room, are struggling, are feeling stalled in their relationship with Jesus Christ right now today. And if you're struggling and if you're stalled in your relationship with Jesus Christ and you're having trouble being committed and faithful and, and you're struggling there, it's kind of difficult for you to be a part of accomplishing this mission that we have because when we're not genuine, people can see right through us. And, and when we're not genuine, um, we, we affect the, the, the whole group, really. Um, there are some reasons that people gave for being stalled. A lack of spiritual discipline was one of those reasons. Well, my priorities are out of whack. I can't change your priorities. You have to change those priorities. Um, a lack of accountability. We believe we have a process that can help each one of us grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and come into alignment together as a unified church, as a unified congregation, as a family. And that as we do that, God uses us to change the lives of people. Now, that fires me up. Because I know, I've always said this, work, work smarter, not harder. Right? Many hands make light work. Or more effective work. Some of you that are in, you know, some of those sort of networking sales deals. Right? It's the same concept. The more people that we can get who are, who are seeking to accomplish the mission with us, the sooner the wall can be rebuilt. The sooner people come to Christ and experience that blessing that only Jesus Christ can give. Well, another part of this problem, something else that this does to, to affect us, and it affected Nehemiah when he sought to rebuild the wall, was was that when we start feeling this, we, we kind of get apathetic or we get um, complacent in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We become a crowd at an athletic event that even though there's good stuff going on on the court, we insist on sitting on our hands, doing nothing, saying nothing. And I don't know if you've been to any games like that, but those are miserable. It's like, what's wrong with the crowd? Can't they get into it? Um, there is... There is a number of us out here. Maybe you're thinking to yourself that you're the one. Maybe it's been a year. Maybe it's been ten years. Maybe you were wounded at one time and, and you've been taking some time off to, to kind of get, get healthy again. But now you're healthy. But you're still sitting on your hands. We believe that part of this process is going to help get all of us, all of us away from just warming a seat on a Sunday morning to investing and working toward the mission that God has for us. Ephesians 4.12 verse 13 says this, that we as pastors, because sometimes I've heard this before, well, that's the pastor's job, we pay him to do that. Well, let me, let me show you biblically what the pastor gets paid for. Okay, it's right here. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. 
The reason that we have been gifted in, as pastors and teachers is to prepare God's people for works of service. We're not the hired guns. We're the, we're the guys to rally the troops and help you be the best uh, equipped servants of Jesus Christ that we can possibly be. And so that is one of our goals this year. We want to challenge you. We want to help you grow and move forward as we seek to accomplish this mission that God has given us. Not continue to be comfortable, just kind of coasting through life, kind of taking life as it comes, but living intentionally and specifically centered on Jesus Christ. That's what this series is all about. It's about moving forward. It's about moving forward, being prepared. God wants to use you, every one of you in this room. I don't care how old you are. I don't care your age. Jesus Christ wants to use you and how he has made you and wired you to affect the life of somebody else. Maybe you go to school with them. Um, I don't know. Are there little, any little, little ones? Maybe you sit in the crib next to each other. I don't know. God wants to use every one of us. God wants to use every one of us. So what do we do? What's the process? Um, how can we be ready? How can we move forward? Well, what did Nehemiah do? First of all, Nehemiah assessed the situation. We've done that. For months, we've assessed the situation. Nehemiah prayed. He got on his knees and said, God, you must move here. And we were praying for that. We were upping the prayer and encourage you to pray along with us that God would move in our hearts. Because if I stand up here and all I'm doing is preaching to you and preaching to you and preaching to you, and you hear that and that's the only thing that's going on in your life, you're going to leave here guilty every Sunday and nothing's going to change. We need a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. We need God to move in our hearts. Let's pray for that. Let's look for that. Let's expect that. So Nehemiah prayed, and then, and then he got after it. He got after it. He rolled out his plan that would give the nation, the, the, the city of Jerusalem, the opportunity and the process to rebuild the wall. See, for them, it was personal growth, corporate unity, and global impact. And I think that's, the, I think that's true for us, too. You might jot that down. Personal growth, corporate unity, and global impact as we follow this mission. Um, in Nehemiah's description, there's four building blocks that made the effort progress successfully. The first one is this. We can all be leaders that will lead by example. We can all be leaders that will lead by example. Nehemiah in verse 1 had leaders that were willing to lead by example. The priests jumped in in rebuilding the wall and they tackled the Lamb's Gate. Throughout chapter 3, verse 9, verse 9, 12, 18, and 19, we see rulers, we see men and, and women who are high up in the class who are getting down and getting their hands dirty. Of course, there were also some nobles that just couldn't lower themselves to this level of work. In, in verse 5 right there, it says, The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Have you ever been a part of a team or on a work project where the supervisor was just willing to bark out, you know, bark out instructions and you do this and you do this and you do this and over a period of time you notice that they never actually are willing to do that. They just want you to do it because they're the boss and you're working for them. Well, well you know, in my opinion, 
um, my experience, so goes the leader, so goes the team. Well, your leaders are going to be as much a part of this process as we're going to expect you to be a part of this process. Uh, We want to lead you and encourage you. And these men of Tekoa, they didn't let their poor example of their leaders uh, diminish their effort in their work. If you scan down to verse 27, it tells us that they got after it and they repaired their section of the wall despite the fact that their leaders wouldn't do it. Let's all be leaders. Let's all roll up our sleeves and get after it. There were other workers that also went to work at a fast and furious pace in in verses 13 and 15. They finished theirs and then they moved on to help others um, to complete even additional sections of the wall. They, They got it. They were a part of the mission and they were in. When Nehemiah said, it's your move, they got moving. And they got after it. So, Ask yourself this. Where might you lead? Where might you roll up your sleeves? Where might you jump into the process as we lay it out over the the course of these next four weeks? The second building block that will help us grow and be ready is unity of mission. There was no doubt in Jerusalem that day when Nehemiah laid out the plans what their mission was. This is what we're about. There were all kinds of people working together from different places, lots of different kinds of people, different ways to help, but they all had one goal. They all had one goal. It was to rebuild the wall. And, and if you know the story well, you know that they had a, lots of, they, they had a lot of uh, people trying to, trying to come against them in the rebuilding of this wall. And they didn't let that... Um, threaten their mission either. They pushed right on through that, changed things up as they were going along, and they all jumped in. There's an organization, don't put the video up yet, Roy. Um, there's an organization called Harvest for Children. Um, they, I guess they're located in Saskatchewan, Canada, uh, but they run programs in conjunction with their parent organization, Children's Camps International. And, and what they do is provide camping opportunities for children in India, Kenya, Cambodia, Belize, Fiji, Cuba, and all across North America to be introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's an enormous undertaking, and they would need great funding to do that, right? Well, there's this one incredible way that that they use to fund this, and and Roy's going to put this up. Every year, they have a harvest for the children, Okay, I want you to look at this picture. I drool over this picture every time I look at it. I've seen this 50 times in the last two days, and I could watch it another 50. What you are seeing is 249 combines who all gathered on one day for one reason. For one reason. It was to to raise money for children international. I just look at that and I go, oh, I want to be in that one right there. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And, and think about it. Think about it. They all had one mission. And, and they broke the Guinness Book of World Records, actually, in 2012, which was their own record that they set in 2011 with 200 combines. I don't, here's the thing. I... I I'm assuming it could be more than that because of the size of the picture. I'm assuming that they're harvesting two sections of wheat, which is about 12, which is 1,280 acres. 
Okay, if, if we kind of figure it's Canada, they get good rain, they have good wheat crops, let's assume they get 60 bushel to the acre. Okay, if you, if you multiply that by the number of acres and then you say, let's say $4 wheat. I don't know what it is today, but let's just say it's $4. It's $8. Okay, well, if they were to sell this wheat today, um, at $4, it would have been $250,000 raised in 30 minutes. Who, wouldn't, who in this room, honestly, would not want to be a part of that? Oh, you would. You would want to be a part of that. I want to be in this one right here. I used to be a green man, but now I'm sort of an international man. So, and I wonder what's up with the new Holland back there. Come on, buddy, pick it up a little bit. You're lagging behind. Could you imagine, could you imagine, even if you didn't own a combine, the excitement of being there on that day? One mission. Lots of people. That's us. That's our church. We have one mission. We have lots of people. And what needs to happen? We need to get our combines into the field. We need to get our butts out of the seat and we need to get them growing. That's our challenge. I notice there's a few ladies that don't want their butts to grow. Okay, I get that. <clears throat> it was metaphorical, all right? Here's the thing. God, God wants us to make a huge impact in Goshen County. And again, if we don't do it, who will? Okay? Think, think with me that way. And I believe that we all can. Every one of us in this room. We must stay the course. We must be ready. Let's jump in the process together wherever we are. And let's move. Let's grow as followers of Christ. Let's be a church with authentic people that love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And let's love our neighbors as ourselves. In the hope and in the prayer, genuinely, that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Not so we can get another check mark on our... Bible or something like that, but so they can experience like we do the God of the universe who wants to bless them. Let's be ready. Let's be engaged. Personal growth, corporate unity, and global impact. In building the wall, Nehemiah had people of all kinds. They needed all kinds of talent as well as untalented people, which brings us to a third building block that will help us grow and be ready, and that's to recognize that we have a diversity of gifts. I mean, look around you. None of us are the same. God didn't wire any of us the same. We're all built differently and with God-given spiritual gifts. Don't know what your gift is? Don't think you don't have one because you do. We're going to be talking about that in the coming weeks. Nehemiah had all kinds of diverse people. If you look at verse 8 and 12 and 31 through 32, there were... There were gold workers and, and there were metal workers and there were people that, that couldn't work on the walls themselves, but they were support staff. First Corinthians chapter 12 outlines many gifts in the body of Christ. Part of the process is figuring out what those are. Part of the process is putting those to work. Again, it's a process. It's going to take some time. We're not going to do all of this next week. We're going to take a year to work through this process. I hope that you will jump in with us. And then the fourth thing, so I can give Ty a little bit of time so he can give his part and not rush through so much. 
The final building block this morning is passion. It's passion. Now, passion, the definition of passion is any powerful or compelling emotion or feeling. Nehemiah had passionate people working on the walls, and they were passionate for different reasons. Some of these people were passionate uh, about their section of the wall because, uh, take the priests in verse 1, for instance. What did they repair? They repaired the Lamb's Gate. Why did they repair the Lamb's Gate? Because that was the part of the city where they brought the lambs in from the, from the fields to be sacrificed. They were very passionate about the lamb's gate. So they invested their time and worked. And, and I, I would guess that they were pretty meticulous in how they repaired the lamb's gate. There were other people in the city who, who had different reasons for being passionate. Their houses w- could, could have been a part of the wall. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I wouldn't want a broken down section of wall in my neighborhood. Would you? Would you want that to be the first place that the enemy is going to come into the city if, they, if we were attacked? No. I would be very passionate about that. And it's interesting to me that even though they were very passionate about their section of the wall that they were working on, that, that when it was all completed and as they were working on it, it didn't just affect them. It affected everyone. Everyone that entered the city of Jerusalem. It impacted their lives. When we passionately serve and are growing in the areas that God has gifted us, it doesn't just benefit us. It benefits everyone else. That's a part of the mission. This harvest event for these children, it benefited children all over the world. And I want to be a part of something like that. And we have things like that around here that we can, we can get involved in. North Hills, just think of it. North Hills church attenders experiencing personal growth, corporate unity, and global impact. It, it affects our neighbors. It affects Mary's. It affects Bob's. Now, I want us to leave with this verse here today. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, I can't just get up here, Pastor Ty, can't just get up here and just give you an inspiring message and hope and hope that that's going to do it. Because as I said earlier, if that's all that happens here on a Sunday morning, then we're just going to live life feeling guilty from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. What we need, what we need is a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to light a fire in the heart of each one of us. So let's all cry out for that. We're crying out for that for our church. We need you to join us and cry out for that as well. And I believe God will move and we will see changes in our own Jerusalem, in our Judea and Samaria and the ends of the world. Us. A blip on the Google map. Little old Lingo, Wyoming. Impacting hundreds and thousands of lives worldwide. Because we said, you know what? 
It's my move, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in. It's going to take work. It's going to take reprioritizing our lives. I can't do it. You have to do that. But I guarantee, I guarantee, if we all jump into this process, and it doesn't matter if you are just visiting today and you attend another church, heed the message of today. Whatever church you're involved in, let's, let's do the work. Let, let's submit ourselves to God and what He wants for us. It will be worth it at the end of our lives. Personal growth, corporate unity, and global impact. And now Ty is going to come and give us kind of just some of the nuts and bolts of what this is going to look like over the course of the next year. Good. I'm glad that uh, you got 30 minutes because that means that I get 30 minutes, correct? You timing me now? Are you good with that? I actually just want to take a few minutes. Um, and I want, to, I want to describe to you something that, that we've been um, thinking about and developing over the last several months. It started back in September when my role here at the church changed and my student ministry years came to an end. And the first thing that they challenged me with was, hey, let's, let's develop a process for everyone who walks in the doors of North Hills where they can find where they fit into the process and they, they can grow towards becoming more like Jesus Christ. Um, and so we started with a group of uh, leaders here in the church sitting in roundtable discussions over lunches and coffees and defining problems and brainstorming and praying about what might be some solutions to these problems. Now, um, over the next several weeks, four weeks in fact, we're going to be looking at each step in this process in a more detailed look. Not necessarily the nuts and the bolts, but the why. Why did we arrive at this? Why, why do we think this is important, and how can this help you, and how can it help me? So I understand that as you first see this, that one of the, one of the comments is, uh, it's kind of academic. I understand that, that, that it looks academic, but you have to understand as well that picture yourself in this, in each one of these things that I, that I describe, and imagine the interactions with people and the relationships, and all of this is in this context uh, of being the church of being a body together, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Now, uh, the, the process, Roy can throw it up here, and uh, I'm just going to briefly touch on each one of these, and please prioritize the next few Sundays to be with us so that you can hear the true impact of this. But every time that Jesus wanted to begin a, a process with a person, he invited them with a simple request. Come follow me. That's what he would say to them. And it's interesting to me that if we ever stray from inviting people to follow Christ, we might as well scrub church off of our sign and put club up there. Because we are about one thing. And if we stray from this one thing, if we, if we ever take our focus off of this one thing, then we cease to be the hands and feet of Christ on the church and to accomplish what he wanted to do through the church. And that is to invite people to a relationship with God that's only made possible through Jesus Christ. Now, 
trust me, you're, you will speed me up if you look interested in what I'm saying here, okay? I'm going to keep going if you don't get interested in this. So you might, you know, you know we could, you know, say, mm, mm, yeah, that's right. Mm, thank you. Boy, that'll speed me up real quick. All right, moving on. No, but do you understand, do you understand that if we ever cease to be about something other than inviting people to follow Jesus, if we've missed the mark, we might as well close the door, become, you know, an old folks home. Because that's what we'll end up being. We're about one thing, and that's inviting people to follow after Christ. Now, we can do that through a number of different ways. You're going to be hearing that, but I'll just, uh, I'll just um, you know, rattle off a few. One of them is through this idea of seeker small groups. We've identified that one of the problems that we have is there are lots of people of that 8,500 people in Goshen County that would never darken the door of a church. Does that mean that they don't have questions or don't... don't uh, you know, desire to have uh, interaction with a Christian and to, to have some of those questions answered. And so this idea of having groups that are open and available and specifically designed for people who are not yet Christ followers to attend them is an awesome idea. And uh, I would encourage you, if you're interested in that, write that on the Connect card. Join us for that training here in just a few weeks and be on the ground level of what that might look like here at North Hills. Um, there are other events, but one, one thing I'll leave you with here within this uh, aspect of follow is as we challenge you and as we equip you and train you in inviting people and sharing the gospel with your friends and neighbors and your coworkers, we expect that they will come to church here. But what that means for each of us that are in this room is when somebody walks in the door and you don't know them or they may, may not quite fit in, or they may be the kind of person that you would walk on the other side of the street to avoid. I want, you, I want to challenge you in this area. Are you glad that God brought him here? Are you glad that you have the opportunity to extend your hand and say welcome and authentically mean it? Say you are welcome here. And would you pray for him? Would you pray that those kind of people who need Jesus, they need the message of the gospel, would come here? And as you're going to hear, the, the part of that process means that you're going to be challenged and equipped and trained in getting over that fear that all of us have of taking the gospel to the people around us. So we're going to invite people to follow. But what happens if a person comes to North Hills and they are a Christ follower? Where do they get plugged in? Where, uh, one of the ways that we put this is the first rung of the ladder is missing around here. How, do, how does a person begin to, to move from I attend North Hills to North Hills is my church? How do you put that first rung back on the ladder? Well, for us, it's discover. And what discover is, is a set of introductory classes. Um, it starts with Discover 101, which is an introduction to North Hills, who we are, what we're about. It's meeting the, meeting the pastor and, and getting to know some of the history and what kind of drives us in our passions. Um, the Discover 201 is a Basics of Christianity course where over a, a three-hour kind of classroom setting, you would learn the basics of Christian doctrine, who Jesus is, what is the way of salvation, what we believe around here, we can't just assume that because people have been coming to North Hills for some time that they automatically believe the same things that we do or understand our beliefs. So it's, a, it's a, a base, establishing a baseline and, and bringing everybody under the, the same kind of teaching when it comes to what we believe. Discover 301 is discovering your spiritual gifts and your strengths. How has God wired you? Why do we think that's important? Because God has wired you uniquely and he has equipped you 
for service in his kingdom. And we want to help you discover what that is, how you uniquely are wired, and where you can fit in and plug in to make global impact in the kingdom of God. And Discover 401 is um, an evangelism training, how to share your faith. What are, what are ways that I can share my faith in, in the style that God has equipped me with? Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going until you get excited about this stuff, so you better get excited. Better say, mm-hmm, that sounds real good, real good. Amen. These classes are going to be offered um, once a quarter, so in the process of a year, you can attend every one of these classes, and I would encourage you, if you call North Hills your home, to start with 101. If you've never been there before, um, and even if you have, it's a rediscovering of why you have come to know and love this place and call this place your home. Let's get on the same page with this. Connect is the third step in the process. Connect is the idea that iron sharpens iron. It's, it's, it's the idea that uh, Hebrews says, let's consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Uh, we, we know that there is a, a feeling when you walk into North Hills that there's lots of people are, who are connected, but if you aren't a part of that group, then you kind of float around. And there's this sense of, I don't belong here, or there's no room for me here. Well, Connect is going to be that, that attempt of ours to, to get people to where they feel like they belong. We're going to do that in a number of ways, but it's relationships. It's relationships. Um, it involves small groups. It involves accountability relationships. It involves those kind of coffee discussions with a group of people that, that, uh, that, that are encouraging each other and they're learning and growing together. But I'm just going to mention one aspect of that, and we're going to unpack this here in a few weeks. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Glad you were excited about that. <laughs> when you walk out of the lobby, out, out, the, out there, there's a, a new rack that you're going to see there, and it says, Second Look. What Second Look is, is a weekly video series that we are producing. It's a, a video that goes, takes a second look at the topic that we're discussing here on the weekend and kind of unpacks it in a different way. And we're using this, some, some will use it like as a small group curriculum. Others will just watch it and maybe discuss it with their husband or their wife. Or maybe they'll find somebody else that they could um, commit to watching it and discussing the content together. There's a video uh, available today, this morning, if you want to see the pilot episode of that. There's two ways that you can watch that. Out on this rack, there are DVDs. Uh, if you do not have internet at home, grab a DVD. But if you do have internet at home, leave them for the people that don't have internet at home and go to NorthHillsBaptist.net, click on Second Look, and you can watch the content. It'll be available every week, and we encourage you to do that. The final step in the process is called Serve. Um, most of the time when we think of Serve, we think of volunteering, right? Think, oh, well, they're just trying to get us to volunteer at the church. No, we aren't. Um, some of you will volunteer at the church, and we will applaud you for that, but here's the deal. In a believer's life, as a person becomes uh, more fully devoted to Jesus Christ, there's a shift that happens somewhere along the way, where it becomes less about their, the input into their life, and it becomes more of them making an impact in the lives of other people. It becomes less about... Um, how much knowledge I can acquire, and it's all about me, to how can I leave my mark for the kingdom in this world? That's what serve is about. Some of that, like I said, will be here at North Hills, but we're, 
we're going to make it we're going to make it hard for you if you've been following Christ for a long time and you've never been on a missions trip or you've never seen the gospel make an impact in another person's life, this is going to be the year when you're going to see that with your own eyes. We're going to offer easy missions trips, low-cost missions trips at least once a year, and then a, a, a more substantial kind of missions experience, maybe an overseas missions trip at least once a year. And so keep your ears pierced for, pe- peeled. Keep your ears peeled for those kinds of opportunities and plug in because uh, I think it's very, very significant that each one of us recognize how the gospel makes a difference in other people's lives and own that and know that we can be a part of it. So without, uh, without belaboring the point, I, I encourage you to be a part of the next four weeks to hear us unfold this and to, to have this sense of anticipation of, you know what, God, this isn't just the church that's kind of, you know, gathering some more energy but Lord, would you gra- gather the energy in my life because I really believe that this could be a defining year in the life of our church and in your life. So we're going to close with communion here this morning. The last point of the message was passion. And we often refer to uh, the end of Jesus' life as the passion. Uh, the passion is a Christian theological term used for those events circling around his suffering and uh, physical, spiritual, and mental. Jesus in the hours before and including his trial and execution by crucifixion. Uh, Jesus came to planet Earth with one mission in mind, and it was to save you and to save me. And, and as a church, uh, one of the ordinances that has been given to us by Jesus himself is communion. It's a, it's a very serious thing. It's, it's, uh, it's protected and we're commissioned to administer it. We're told that its purpose is to remember Christ. It's to remember Jesus. That's what we do this morning. As you look up front, if you're not familiar, if you've not been to a church before, this is the communion table. And on this communion table, we have a little basket with bread and we have a cup with juice. We don't always um, celebrate it this way, but this is how we're doing it today. But this is what Paul says. He reminds us of Jesus' words in 1 Corinthians 11:23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I have also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, again, uh, we recognize that we're all in process and that there may be some here today who you don't necessarily believe that Jesus is God. I get that. And again, I'm glad that you're here. But what you need to know is, is this table right here is for those who have confessed and professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and so if you haven't done that, just remain in your seat. It's okay. Again, I hope that you'll stick with us and continue to explore what it means to serve and follow Jesus Christ as your Savior. For you up in the balcony, there's a table over there on that side. For us down here, this is the bread. It represents Christ's body, which is broken for us. So grab a piece of bread. Just dip it in the cup representing Christ's blood. 
and partake. Take time at your seat. Let's celebrate. Let's sing that first song in our hearts as we celebrate communion and what Jesus did for us on that cross. Jesus, this is for you.